HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The Summer Replay series of Item 13 is brought to you by the Seraphim Store. Must-have makeup and skincare ready for delivery to your doorstep in Accra, Ghana. Launching this August, Seraphim is your reliable local source of great skincare and makeup. No more ridiculous shipping fees or hassling friends to bring back your favorite skincare product on their next trip home. The team at Seraphim has carefully selected their very favorite products for prevention, for healing and of course, to adorn our various shades of chocolate skin. Check out the Seraphim store on Instagram, at the Seraphim store, or on their website, www.theseraphimstore.com. You're listening to the Summer Replay series of Item 13, an African food podcast. We're sharing your favorite episodes from the past two seasons, all month long. It's a good time to share the podcast with a friend. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. Stay tuned for all new episodes next month. Season 3 will be back in September. Here's the replay. And, and also, I, I just want to say this, that people need to understand that it's an industry of food, but there's so much. There are food scientists, there are food exactly. consultants, there are stylists, there's so much. Like, yeah. It's not just about cooking because you think classic chick is making money, so mm. you know the next moment you open it, it's about cooking <laughs> and cooking. There's so much to it. Like, there's food health and safety. Yeah. There is so much, and it's about time that we we start reading mm. and researching and understanding what we want to go into. Mm. And I think that when we understand that, we will all choose which path, and in the end, we all help each other. Hi everyone, you're listening to Item 13 Podcast and I'm your host, Yom Tego. Every week, we'll delve into the world of African food, including chefs, curators and bloggers. I hope you enjoy it. This week, I speak to Jay Devi of Mukase Chic. Jay identifies as a culinary entrepreneur with food blogging and styling, catering, a food bank and food events under her entrepreneurship umbrella. A Mandela Washington Fellow, she's written food articles for most Ghanaian magazines and has been featured on CNN Africa and BuzzFeed. Our conversation in Accra covered everything from why she started and stopped her restaurant business, her food event company, and her journey to becoming a Mandela Washington Fellow. I've been following Jay's story for years now, and I think there's a lot to learn from her experiences. Here's the show. Welcome to 
to item 13J. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, thank you. I'm excited for us to walk through <laughs> your entire food journey. It's, it's a long journey and a lot of different and interesting things you've done. So I think this will be very interesting for everyone that's listening. Yeah. So let's start with talking about you. Who's Jay? Mm. Where did you grow up? What were the things that influenced you? Well, um, I grew as long as I can remember. I think um, I grew up at uh, between Madina and Adenta. Okay. We stayed at Madina because my parents were trying to finish up their house, and we had to like stay at my uncle's for like a couple of months. Mm. But those were some of the most amazing times of my life. Really? Amazing yes. because? Amazing because um, I think that was when I realized that I was actually a human being. So it's funny. <laughs> so it's funny because I don't remember anything um, from about from about six years. Okay. I just remember that I was six years and that's it. Oh, I don't remember anything after. That, yeah, before that, yeah. exactly. So I just remember that, oh, I was just six and... And it was fun because I was the only girl, okay. and I had cousins, uh, male cousins, obviously, and I had a brother then, and I would do anything they would do. Yeah. So I played football. Okay. So do you consider yourself a tomboy? Yes, okay. I have. Yes, I still am. I still have a bit of it in me. Okay. So those who really study me see it. Uh, but I was a complete tomboy. Played games, Nintendo, mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat, everything like to the T. Uh, we moved to Adenta. I was still a tomboy, obviously. Yeah. Um, Adenta was a bit more serious because then we had just started, you know, going to serious school. You know, like when you start yeah. school. <laughs> so it was like, learn and pass your grades. Uh, but it was fun. And um, I was never the child to cook. Okay. Let me say this properly. I was never the girl child to cook. Okay. Like, never. So you not the one who was like, I won't no. even lie. <laughs> Ever. I didn't play with um, Congo oh, yeah, teams. No, I didn't know. Okay. If so, you send me, I even get angry. <laughs> well, then how did you end up? That's a good question. Then how did you end up in the world of food? I can't honestly give you a straightforward answer. I think that um, I have it in my genes. My yeah. father was an amazing cook. Like That is actually quite surprising for a Ghanaian family, right? Yeah. That the father... I mean, maybe there are men that can cook well, but mm-hmm. they just don't... They just choose not to. Yeah. Know, but I, yeah. that's interesting that you say that. Yeah, my father was an amazing cook. I mean, I lived with my, my father and my stepmother, who okay. was also an, like a real cook. Okay. She was like a real caterer. But I remember my father being... For me, like cooking with my stepmother was more like a chore. Okay. Like, there was nothing that I learned because it was always an experience. But my father, it was much more easy. And I think even at that age, he introduced me to a lot of texture and a lot of like um, spices and a lot of like food from different countries because they used to travel out a lot. Okay. And I saw him like. He, he, that's why I love shortcuts, and I think I got that from my, yeah. my father. Is a shortcut man. Like he would do anything, any shortcut thing. He would try any um, interesting recipe. He travels and he learns. So I think I had it, okay. but I never really was interested okay. until I was in my twenties and I was bored at work, looking for a presentation, a, a picture for a presentation. I came across um, a blog by Fran. Okay. So if you know Fran, Fran is, I think Fran should be one of 
the oldest um, food bloggers. Oh, I know Frank. Yes, yeah, Frank. Yeah. And I said, oh my God, and to me, yeah, bring to me yeah. if I'm right. And I said, why is there, I mean, sorry, but why is there a white lady documenting right. their food? I didn't understand. So I went back to her blog and I read her, um, her introduction and they talked about her friendship with Mrs. Beta mm-hmm. of Flair. And I said, you know what, I want to learn this. Like, I want to learn how to cook. So I started, what I did wrong in the beginning was, it opened my eyes to a world of food bloggers mm-hmm. in America and wherever it is. So I started learning from them and cooking the same thing. Okay, so you are cooking American, American, food. like all kinds of continental food, but never like local dishes. Because for me, I thought, oh well, I live in this country. Right. Like, if I have to learn, I have to learn yeah. something that. But that's interesting because your your interest in food was piqued by somebody that was doing Ghanaian food. Yes, and then you sort of I started exactly. by going the Yes, so I went the opposite way, and then a couple of like months later, I said to myself, This is not working. Like, it was good for me, but I said, This is not working because you can't make pizza as better as an Italian, right? Because they learn it from home, and they all have like cultural arts and takeouts. So, no Ghanaian, like, no foreigner should make Ghanaian food better than me. So, I I have to make what I know how to make. So, then I figured out that, Oh, you know, you weren't cooking at home, but then when I started. I remembered all the lessons and you know for my father doing this and my stepmom and you know and yeah that's how so they started. That's, that's how it started. Let's talk about the name. How did you pick the name? Oh and like for God. those who are listening, <laughs> listening, what does it mean? Oh my God. Every time I get this question, I laugh because there's no dramatic story to this. I think that I say this to my friends all the time. Most people know me. I am very crazy with names like i'm blessed with names oh, okay. i have a thing with names so basically when i started my first restaurant was called she brews oh, really? which I meant i wanted a coffee shop so which meant a lady who brews coffee so that was my first one and then um it turned to mukasa chick there wasn't any excite like any dramatic process yeah. nothing it was just that at that time i was working and I was, let me say, I was at my peak. I was young and mm-hmm. exciting. At the same time, I wanted to do something Ghanaian. I said, okay, how do you put the two together? Yeah. And I wanted a local name, but I wanted that. My reason for even choosing a local name was that I wanted people outside Ghana who didn't understand what I was saying to ask me. That's the question. I wanted yeah. to be a topic starter, to ask okay. me, what does it mean? Okay. So basically, Mukase, I'm an, I'm an Akan. So Mukase means kitchen. And Cheek yeah. obviously means me and my team and everybody yeah. I come into contact with are, are Cheek, yeah. so basically. So then you started with food blogging, yes. right? So let's talk about that. Why did you... We talked a little bit about the background of how you got into, into that, but then you sort of... And not embarrassed, but you sort of exploded onto the scene. Like, yes. I think... And I don't know how fast your trajectory was in terms of getting followers and like the creativity of the things you were doing. Like, how did that all happen? To, I mean, for someone that's watching, it happened really quickly. Really quickly, yes. How did that happen in your, in, from your perspective? Um, I think that, that when... Okay. So I think that when I started, um, to be honest, there weren't people who were doing that, who were yeah. documenting food. And it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do, yes. But um, I was quickly introduced to Instagram. Okay. I was on Facebook. I was very, you know, vibrant on mm-hmm. Facebook. And I used to write notes and all that. And I was quickly introduced to Instagram. And because of my marketing and advertising background, oh, I quickly noticed, yes. Marketing. 
Yes. I have a marketing background. I had an advertising background. I have a theater background. So I quickly, um, I was quickly able to figure out which of the social media platform works for what. So I use what I have learned. And even till now, I always say that I never potential, like I never use my potentials 100%. Like I just use a little bit of what I've learned. So I think that people quickly came to notice, oh, there's someone who posts food. And it wasn't even as fancy as some of our pictures are these days. It was just this yeah. old phone. And it was because and of the novelty of it. I guess nobody was putting our food out Nobody there. was putting our food yeah. out there. And um, people were just excited. And right. they could relate. I mean, I was young. I am so young. <laughs> <laughs> and people could just relate. And, you know, so many women or so many girls like me wanted to learn how to make maybe fish mm-hmm. dew or something. And I would document everything right. and my failures. So people could relate to me. And I think I used a few um, of my marketing skills. And I grew my page organically. Okay. It wasn't... Yeah, people were doing promotions at that time. But right. who had money to go and promote? Like, I mean, yeah, maybe you had the money, but... That was not yeah. the, what your money right. was going to be used for. So I, I organically um, started and I grew into what it is today. And I know, yeah, a lot of people do say that it was so sudden. <laughs> well, even like last, like a couple of days ago, I catered for um, someone's party and there was a vendor who was there. He said, how did you get, like, how? And I'm like, I, don't even try and let me explain. But I think that honestly, like over the years, I've come to also understand that it is a marketing platform, like all our social media yeah. platforms are supposed to be for marketing one thing or another. Right. So whatever yeah. you choose to market on it, you mm-hmm. must find how each of them relates to the six sense mm-hmm. and people will be yeah. able to relate to you. Yeah. So you've said a lot of things that I, like I have so many questions oh, and I remember goodness. all the things. So I want to ask you one, because you mentioned the catering, how you yes. jumped from food blogging to actually starting to cook for people. I also want to touch on the idea of social media and using it for sales versus... Because I had this conversation two days ago with, with the chef where we're talking about how people use it more for self-esteem and mm-hmm. the likes and the followers mm-hmm. and they haven't really figured out how to use it as a medium for business, business sales, right? Mm-hmm. So that's also basically okay. something you said that I also want to touch on. Um, let's start with those two. Okay. Let's start with social media and then, okay. then we're going we'll to go into and then talk about Okay, cool. So um, most of the interviews I've granted, I always say that I started a social media restaurant. That was how I sold my food. Like every picture was as real as it gets. People's plates, and I posted, and people will call, and um, people will order for the same thing. Like I said before, it's a marketing platform, so you must decide on what to use it for. I have gone through, and I think we'll talk about that later. I have gone through that stage. I've gone through and come out yeah. of that stage where social media is about likes, it's about comments, it's about praises, yeah. and even, even, yeah. I have gone through it all and come out of it. And I'm actually at a point of my life, my personal life and my career where I do not wake up to social media likes, I don't wake up to social media, whatever right. it is. Um, let me give you an example. I, I, I got a, a call from Ketra, a fellow Ketra, that I've never met or even spoken before. Yeah. So she sent a message and said, oh, you know, hi. Um, I said, hello. She said, can I have your number? I want to ask you a question. I said, okay. So I gave her my number. She called me. She said, um, I know that you have a lot of celebrity friends, but um, I don't see that you cater for a lot of celebrities. 
So I love and I said to her, how do you determine who, who and who caters for? Is it because of the pictures you yeah. see? Is it because of what the person writes? Is it because of the well, bios or whatever? She said, yes. I said, but you cannot do that. Everybody on social media page has a strategy and a form. My strategy and my form, when you go to my restaurant page, is to let people see the food and say, oh my God, yeah. I want to eat. So when you go there, there's no human being. That's how I work. Yeah. There's no human being. I respect my clients' privacy or if they don't want privacy, whatever it is. But my emphasis and my strategy for my page is not about showing you who I've catered yeah. for and who I haven't catered for. And that's an important point. Even just across the board, like even outside of food, in terms of showing people and respecting privacy, I find a lot of people that are trying to sell stuff, I don't know how many of them ask before they post pictures of, of people, you know. I mean, I think if it's food and you're, you're trying to help people sell their product, it's fine. But sometimes people don't want someone else to do yeah. that. I was at this event or whatever, you know. So yeah. It's good. And I think I think personally that that's, that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Um, then let's get into catering. Or maybe even before that, restaurant. So mm-hmm. how you were vlogging and then you decided... Blogging. And people were asking, no, I want to eat, I want to eat. Then I got this little space. Okay. But I've always loved a coffee shop and I will always <laughs> open a coffee shop. I will open a coffee shop, but I always... So I started with a coffee shop called She Brews, which means a lady yeah. who brews coffee. And everybody came in asking for jollof and what Really? And then it turned into... Interesting. So, where was the space? How did you find it? How did you find it? The space was um, located just opposite Daleks and Sharon's on the Ringway Estates around Pepe's Gym. How did I finance it? I think I took a loan. I was working at that time. I took a loan of about 8,000, if I remember. And I paid for my rent. And then everything else was on me after that. And and I finished it. Yeah, I, I did it for about three years. And it it was one of the things that really rocketed my <laughs> business. Like it was a little space where we're churning out a lot of yeah. food. And so that space like, was both Shebrews and then I, it was Shebrews at that time. Okay, so for three years. For three years, years. yes, Interesting. I was okay. doing that. And then uh, Mukasi was still there as the blog. Okay. So when I left where I was and I, I got a bigger space, I said, you know what, Ghanaians don't read. Ghanaians don't understand what's going on. You need to synchronize the brand. Yeah. And I said, let's let's call the restaurant the same as the blog so that people will understand what's going yeah. on. So that's when I changed it to Mukasa. Okay. Yes. So then you're running the food out of I was running Mukase, the food. Yes, and Mukase. Were you also still doing coffee? No. Okay. No. So was we changed yeah, we completely changed to the Anguamos, the Jolot, yes. the Friday arms, <laughs> the pork. We completely changed. I think that's one 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 of the um, stages in also in the business where my core objective was defined as a business right. like I knew that I wanted to do local cuisine with my own touch okay. yeah. so then let's talk about that in the context of you know this big African food is trending it's the next big thing in food and all of that stuff as a food blogger I can still consider you a food blogger right? yeah, oh, no, no I've changed my name I've changed, I've changed it <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a culinary entrepreneur oh wow okay I said culinary Do you feel a certain sense of like pressure or responsibility to present Ghanaian food in particular in an authentic way, particularly with all the sort of new hype that we have, right? Do you feel that because of all that noise, 
it's important for you especially to make sure that you are sort of staying true. Okay. So this is very interesting. I've rather felt the opposite. I feel mm-hmm. like I should present it in a gourmet. I felt that I should present it in a gourmet way. To because I think the objective of most people, mm-hmm. with all the hype and everything, is to attract the international markets. So at a certain point in in food blogging or consulting or whatever it was, I felt like I had to present it in a gourmet way. Interesting. But I don't feel like that anymore. Okay. I've now how I feel is that uh, we don't. For me as a Ghanaian, I think that we don't fully understand our food, the history behind the food, our spices. What we use for what, um, you know, the medicinal aspects of all the things yeah. we have. So we have a long way to go. And for me, it's only when I understand what I have now is when I will do a fusion. It's when I will present it in a gourmet way okay. to an international market. Yeah, because that was going to be my follow-up question in terms of, so African food of trend and then the fusion part of it, where people are trying to sort of make it appealing to international yeah. market so they are including like Japanese yeah. techniques or American techniques or so you are taking a step back from that yes. and keeping it I, I am um I am not fully against fusion mm-hmm. but I think that if you do a fusion you must either keep the original taste or make it way better. I don't want a fusion that tastes yeah. doesn't taste like anything that well, I remember. I actually want to ask you and I'm sure you've seen this and if not I want to ask you if you've seen pictures of the equine. Yes, yes, what your thoughts are on their food and presentation. I think their presentation um, appeals to the kind of people that they want to attract to their restaurants. I think that their textures is quite interesting, very interesting. However, I haven't tasted it. So, but I've read the reviews and everything, and it seems so amazing. I mean, they won awards in Watchabee. So then again, it also takes my mind to the to the fact that um, the people who are eating from these places are they people who already who already know how these things are supposed to taste? Okay, number two, the people who are eating from these places do not know what they are eating and why we cook it the way we cook it. But apart from that, yeah. So it's it's interesting, and I've had the same conversation with several people as to like what the objective of Ikoye is, right? If it's to introduce people to Nigerian cuisine, then to that extent of fusion may be a little too much because for someone that's coming in and is expecting pepper soup or even plantain um, and they see it completely covered in this red dust thing that they, which is, looks amazing for me and all of that stuff. But if I'm being introduced to Nigerian food, like is this appropriately yeah. so, right? I'd rather will be introduced to the original and then have a fusion right, later. exactly. So, okay, let's talk quickly about your KHP. KHP. Maybe let's talk about why you stopped the restaurant. Okay. Well, so I stopped the restaurant because I woke up one morning and realized that this was not the dream. Interesting. Yes, when I, when I sat in Mukasa Chek, it was supposed to have give you an experience of a real Ghanaian, mm-hmm. warm place, uh, feel like you're almost home. The food touched that part of people. People always say, oh my God, your food tastes like I'm home. But there was no experience. Okay. You know, with my space, with my serving. So I woke up one day and I said, no, I need to go back. Yeah, you've made some money, you've made name. Mm-hmm. The main name is fine. 
but I need to go back. So going back means it's a lot of investments and what have you. And I am going to go back, but I'll go back the right way. Okay. Yeah. That's so interesting because we just, the episode that just came out was talking about customer experience and creating the right experience in like dining situations. And so it's good to hear that you're thinking about that because it sounds like from when I spoke to Maureen, a lot of people just think about the food, right? They don't think about the entire, like the ambience, the service and all of that stuff. So that's really good. So... You, you decided to shut down the restaurant. Yes, I went for the Mandela Washington Fellowship. Yeah. And then, you know, I had already, I was thinking about that in one of our classes. You know, it just kind of yeah. hits me. And I called back, I called Ghana. I said, you know what, close it. And that's what happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I think this is a good time to take a break. And then when yeah. we come back, we'll talk everything else. We'll talk catering, we'll talk the food event company, we'll talk about the Mandela Washington experience, all of that food bank. Yeah. <laughs> all of that good stuff. Okay. Alright guys, we'll take a short break and we will be right back. Okay, so we're back from the break. Speaking to Jay from Kaseshi, the culinary entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I want to talk a little bit about your catering, well, like all of the things that you do under your entrepreneurship oh my umbrella. God. So starting with catering. So you closed down the restaurant. Yes. I'm sure you were doing a little bit of catering while you were Yes, I was. I was. But like now you're focusing yes. fully on catering. Fully on catering. So yeah. let's talk about that because I find catering to be an interesting business, huh? Because, and I'll take Ghana specifically. So, you know, people, someone grows up, they cook really well, everybody tells them they cook great until they decide, oh, I'm going to cook mm-hmm. for people. But I think that there's more to it than just cooking for people, right? You have to think about the pricing, how you're going to package it, how you're going to transport it, all of that good stuff. So, how did you learn all that? Like, I think it's. It's a, it's a thing to have, right? Because yeah. And then if you don't do it well, I think you'll be out there. So yeah. clearly you're doing something right. So like, how did you... Well, I read a lot, honestly. Okay. Like, I read a lot about catering and even about restaurants. Mm-hmm. So um, I read about, you know, cost, menu planning, mm-hmm. and even setting up a table. You would come to understand that when you're planning a menu for a client, you need this amount of carbohydrates, this amount of protein, this amount of complements, and all those things. And you have to try and explain to people what a menu is and all that. <laughs> so, yeah, I read a lot and I, I, um, I watch what people do. Mm-hmm. I ask a lot of questions okay. if I'm allowed to. So, that's how I, you know, be, uh, yeah. I, I got into catering. And it's quite interesting, it's true. A lot, of, a lot of people can cook, a lot of us can cook. But catering for 100 hertz, 200 hertz is completely different from catering for uh, 30 people. So let me give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we're catering for 200 people, making some jollof. And, and my assistant that I work with, she made this, she made this stew and, and it was just time to put in the rice. And usually we use the stock as the water. So she put in the stock first and she, and she was going to put in the rice. I said to her, let me tell you something. As soon as you put in the stock and you put in the rice, the, the salt and um, spice balance, the ratio changes. So if you, if you still think the stew tastes good and you don't taste it and you put in the rice, by the time you're done, it doesn't taste the same. 
that will not be the same for cooking for 30 people. So, you know, it's, it's, I think it's about learning on the job and reading. But I love to cater for people. Like, I really love to see people eat my food, clear my plates, like, ask me questions. Oh, my God, what did you do? I, I love that. So, I think um, maybe, I don't know if I'm a natural. <laughs> but I love to cater. Yeah, I really love to cater. And then how do you find, I mean, I think I almost know the answer to this question. But okay. How do you find clients? So, if you're starting a catering business, like, okay. How do you go about finding and keeping clients? Um, hmm. So my biggest, um, let's say, way into brackets of finding clients, and I'm going to use my experience, not what we are supposed to do, has always been word of mouth. Okay. Like, apart from social media, it has always been word of mouth. Like Everybody who contacts me has been word of mouth. And I can say about 90% of my clients I have never met. Really? Yes. yes. I've never met. I cater. Oh, no, actually, okay, it's possible. Yes. Yes. So yes. these are people that I don't know. So that's why I said earlier that when the lady asked me mm-hmm. about celebrity, I find it quite funny. And, I, and I, there's one thing that I said to her: I appreciate those kind of people. When I started Mukasa Chicken, it blew so fast. I got comments like people are like, you know, you don't want to save normal people. You want to yeah. save your celebrity friends, but. That was never the case, but they don't know that 90% of my clients are people I've never yeah. met. All my bookings are on WhatsApp. They don't even want to meet me. They're like, oh, you know, we, we yeah. know you, you just come and do what you have to do. And I go and just do what That's I have cool. to do. So I think that, um, I will not say that we've always been positive. Yeah, I've had a, you know, a few clients say, oh, you know, everything was amazing. It was just that maybe this and this happened. Could you like fix it the next time? Oh, yeah, sure, we'll fix it. So 90% have been, yeah, word of mouth and none from family. You won't believe me. I've catered my family only once. Even that, it was a small part of the party. Yeah, I, I went to my family. My auntie had a party recently, yeah. three-day party. The person who catered, I didn't know her. Like, she's on social media. I went, I was like, what? Yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> but that's a good point. Like, even with, with anything, maybe starting something, like, I think the mindset that your family or even close friends will be, like, I think people just need to sort of take that off their, mm-hmm. their plate. Yeah. Right? Like, if you, if you think your business is going to grow, yeah, your family and your friends will hire them, like, yeah, yeah, go do it. They're here to support you. And, I mean, they can't, they can't always be the ones mm-hmm. who will make your business survive. No, so, no. To be able to remove your eyes, you're okay, you're not going to, you know, but that's yeah, that's cool. Um, now let's talk about all the, the other things that I do. Um, let's start with hmm, what do I want to start with? What do I want to start with? The food event company, yes. that's I think because you have events coming up, let's start with that. So, okay. why did we decide to start the food event company? So, I so when did, and, and okay, when yeah, it started in um, June last year. Just, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just just a few months was it? Yeah, June last year. Just a few months before I went for the Mandela mm-hmm. uh, Fellowship, and I the dream of that company is to be able to curate and organize um, events as big and as intimate as possible for African cooks and chefs all over the continent. Mm-hmm. That's the dream. And um, I realized that in Ghana, I mean, people want to have master classes and they want to have like food events, yeah. pop ups. And if you don't have the money and you don't know people who know people to give yeah. you good places, it's almost like your dream is over. Like, I know people who have advertised for pop ups and stuff, and it never happened because they didn't get enough people yeah. or they didn't get a place to make it happen. So I decided that, you know what, I want to put myself in that position where 
I should be able to use my logistics and people that I know to make something possible for yeah. um, a Ghanaian chef or an African chef. Someone who wants to come to Ghana and yeah. do something, I'm willing to, yeah. you know, put the logistics together. Okay, that's cool. So what what events have you done? So the, our first event was called the food seminar. Okay. Uh, I organized a food seminar. The first one was done at Oak Plaza for um, culinary um, aspirants if it's the right word to use, yeah. and professionals. Uh, we had about 60 people. It was mm-hmm. an amazing, amazing seminar. And it's happening again this year. Okay. This year it's happening, hopefully, at Strong Crown Academy. Okay. Um, it's going to be a bit of practical and theory. So we have classes. We have a customer service uh, retail class from Maureen. That's important. Very yes. <laughs> we have a class for menu planning and uh, budgeting from Chef Joe Wilson, okay. who is the Vice President of the Ghana Tourism Federation. Oh, nice. We have um, a food styling class, emphasis on finger foods from um, um, Sony, if I remember. That. It's a Nigerian <laughs> name, so I always have to be yeah. careful before. But basically, her company is called Good Eats Nigeria. Um, and she's flying in from Nigeria um, to come and teach people how to make like our kind of finger food, mm-hmm. spring rolls, buff rolls, pop, yeah. they call it puff puff, yeah. and how to style it to make it like look good yeah. at, at uh, engagements and weddings. And then we have um, another food styling session from Champenta, yeah. who also help people because you know people are on social media now, people are copying. Right. So I just want to give people the basics and the fundamentals. You don't have to copy. Right. Copy and add some. Some yeah. of what you know. Learn the basics. Learn the basics and add on there. Yeah. And then hopefully we would have a session uh, by Anita. Anita on Sunshine Cafe. It's yeah. one of my oh, favorite. Yeah. She's my mentor, and I want to have a class for her to talk to people about how to keep your restaurants relevant. She's had her restaurant for yeah, years, and it's, it's consistent and it's profitable. And I want people to. Yeah understand that because for me like i always tell people how many of our aunties were no caterers where are they now like what happened and i don't think that we want our businesses to go down that lane so it's important that she comes to talk to us about that so yeah if you go on the google forms you can take any of the classes you want to attend um it's 150 cities i think it's important right i think it's important because we also do with ss13 similar stuff in london yes yes Food photography with the idea again that you're putting your food out there, yeah. you, should, you should be able to it's show how exactly. to present it in a certain way. Um, we did what did we do? PR, we did content marketing, so all those things that will help you sort of be able to market yeah. your, your food, right? So, yeah. I'm all for like training and teaching our people to be able to compete. I don't think compete is the right word, but like I think that people just don't have the tools, yeah, they can do it, but they just don't have the tools. Yes. Like, so, events like the seminar that you're yeah. putting together, I think, will be fantastic. Yes, yes. So you you're doing the seminars, yeah. with the food event, the food events, yeah. And then it's the Jollof festival. Yes. So I love it. <laughs> we have the Jollof festival in uh, September, okay. for, on September first, at the Memory Lane Park. Okay. Memory Lane is right opposite Opebia. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so excited about that. I am Tell so excited. So basically, the Jollof festival um, is supposed to be the biggest Jollof and Grill festival okay. in Ghana. It was last year, and we're hoping to make a lot. I know, I remember seeing pictures of it. Oh my god, I always miss, I, I, I come to Accra always at the wrong time. Oh, always. no, we are, we are going to send a special invitation this time. Yeah, we are. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a festival and celebrate actual love. You know, I had a conversation with someone two days ago. He said to me, You know, Jay, you should think about having a competition with this Nigerian. I was like, No, it's time to celebrate actual love. Like, we are done with. <laughs> 
comparing who and who did what. Yeah. We have to celebrate what we have. And jollof is not just about even the rice, it's about the protein that goes with it. And there's so much that people who eat it with dried fish, pork, turkey, what have you. Yeah. And we just have to come together and celebrate what we so have. So how are you picking the vendors for the first ah, to make sure that like the idea that you have it's not just anybody that's yes. schedule. It's so interesting. Like people are sending messages saying, Oh, how do we how do we get the vendor stand? I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have pick every yeah, single vendor. Right. Like we learn we learn from our mistakes and I, I don't want I want everybody to have an experience. And even like you know how the food is going to be served and all that, I'm right. gonna make sure that Well that's exciting. I I, 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 I yeah. Really, yeah, I think it's, it's gonna important be important to curate to be able to curate and think the because I spoke to um these guys in Lagos, East Drink Lagos, yes. and they do a festival also. And when I interviewed them, they said the same thing. So for their festival also, they are very intentional about who they choose to bring into, and it creates a certain, ex- they are looking for a certain type of vibe and experience, mm-hmm. and so it's not just anybody that yeah. says, it's good yeah. to, to know that that's the case. Yeah, know, that's so. the case. And, and, and I'm taking this festival like as my festival, like, almost like a personal festival if I'm at home like how do I want to be <laughs> right, you yeah. know I'm looking I mean, we are looking at bringing Wolome that's not like my personal oh, favorite people nice. and you know people uh, musicians who keep the place alive yeah. games and we have the most competitive Jalof um, competition okay the king and queen of Jalof oh wow it's so competitive <laughs> it's not funny it's so competitive last year a lady won um, she was, she's also a caterer okay. I feel and it was amazing. Like she's wearing her crown. <laughs> she wears her crown so well. So this year, I hope she's coming back yeah. to come and defend her yeah, crown. It's really great, and it's I think amazing. these are great, great ways to you know equip uh, local people, celebrate uh, our own food, and do it in a and do it in a great way, right? Not just. I like that you're intentional about the different components of it to yeah. make sure that it's a good experience yeah. for everybody. That I mean, and, and very importantly, one of my biggest um, additions this year is also have a vendor who will be interested in using our local rice for Jalop. Um, this is one of the things that I picked up from a comment, actually. I, I saw a comment from Derby, Sister Derby. Okay. It was a, I picked it last year and I she commented on someone's page mm-hmm. and I've, I've always kept that in mind it's, it's quite important that we find a way to also um, promote right. what we have so I'm looking for the vendor who makes like amazing look at rice okay and then uh, I think it's the last one, definitely not the least thing I think I umbrella is the mobile food bank. Yay! Uh, let's talk about that because I know from sort of living in the US, like what food banks do for people yes. and, and how. But I feel like there it's pretty much like it's the structure around, unfortunately, around homeless people and all that stuff. There's shelters and all that stuff, so they're able to link yeah. to the food banks and it's. There's a process, but mm-hmm. if you're doing something like that here, where I think, how are you finding the people that you need to help? And like maybe let's take a step back and like why did you decide to start mm-hmm. it and then process for all that? Um, the idea came from my um, my experience at the Mandela Washington Fellowship, and as you learn during that process, there's so many things that you you, you pick up, and you go through the fellowship in a country where things are working. I'm not saying, I don't say they are working 100%, but at least they are working. And then you come back to your country where things might not be working. So you need to like tweak your plans to make it work. Um, I did an internship at a food bank, the Oklahoma Food Bank, and it was amazing. Like for me, 
I've always had the mind that if I ever gave food out to someone who was homeless, it has to be food that I can eat. It doesn't have to be right. food that you know yeah. you just throw the stew yeah, exactly. on top and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's not my thing. So it was very, um, it was very interesting and comforting for me to see that the food that they made was food that they could eat. Everybody ate the executive chef ate from there. It wasn't like food for the homeless. Yeah. You know? So so when I came back to Ghana, I. I knew that it was time for me to start what to do. And like you said, the structure there is, is quite well done. I mean, they have a space where chefs come in and cook every day, and we don't have that kind of space yet. So it was important that we sit down and figure out what can we do to make it um, work. So my business partner and I um, came up with a plan that we would then um, identify, and it goes back to the question, how do you identify people that? That's like really really tough yeah. honestly it's really tough because sometimes you can't identify who is homeless and who needs it who is not yes. homeless and who needs it but basically the plan is that um people donate mm-hmm. um the first one we did was 10 cd ahead for us to be able to um get food and give it to who needs it so basically that's it and we'll try and do this as many times as we can we are also trying to get into the books for companies whose social responsibility is to do, you know, help people and we pitch it to them and say, you know what, we can help you do this. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, Chef Kiss, Kiss Craven, and then we've got a lot of um, inquiries. Um, On my phone, I was just speaking to um, Andrew, Andrew Brimpong, who is the CEO of Workshed, and he was just asking me about 365, like he would want to be a part of it. And Kes, who lives all the way, just said, you know what, I'm going to come to Ghana in July. I want to cook for 365. Can you just identify people for us to give the food? So it's it's interesting. At the same time, it's very, um, I would say it's very sad for me as a person, but it's just my way of helping. I think that I want to be able to use my talents to help. I don't want to do something that I don't understand. This is what I know how to do best, and how can I use to help? And that's why it ends. Yeah, that's, that's that's really 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 commendable, I think, and especially in a situation where you've seen how it can work seamlessly, and coming back into an environment where there are certainly more challenges in terms of putting that together, and still deciding to go ahead. And and I think sometimes when you um, Forget there's a quote or a saying that uh, when you sort of set up your mind, the universe conspires to, it does. to help you get there, right? And so, even with Chef Kess, with the yeah. CEO of Workshed and all of that stuff, I think it's just all part of, you know, um, God's plan, if you yeah, know, it does. Um, it does. of putting the things in place that you can do to achieve cheapest goals. So, kudos to you. Thank this you. Is, this is really good stuff. And you mentioned this in passing several times. It was one of the last things I wanted to cover in detail. So, so just to explain to people what the Mandela Washington Fellowship oh, is, yeah. how you went through that process, what <laughs> it was like, the lessons yeah. that we have. So basically, I, I got to know about it through um, um, Nana Boachiyado, who, yeah. yeah, who used to work at CTFM. You know, he said to me, um, he was an alumni, and he said to me that he feels like I should apply. And typical of my, <laughs> typical of me, I applied like an hour to deadline. No. Yes. <laughs> I applied an hour to I deadline. <laughs> and the internet was not working. It was oh so God. dramatic. Like, I don't know how. I keep on doing all these dramatic things. But it was so dramatic. Extremely dramatic. 
and I have had like months yeah. to do this. And I said no, and I just sat. And it's so funny. Like usually when I write things, yeah. I write like pointers okay. and I explain. Oh. So because I was so much of a Harry, I didn't even clear the pointers. Like every single thing oh. that I wrote was on. <laughs> And I sent it, and I got emailed as a semi-finalist. Uh, we went for an interview, and I, I must say that Ghanaians are doing amazing things. Yeah. Like people that I met, I never even knew that right. they existed. Yeah. I was so shaking, and I couldn't believe. Oh my God! Yeah. Like, what are you doing here? That was my first. Like, oh no, no, no. what no, are you no, doing no, here? And people came. No, I mean, I, I, I'm not understanding myself, but I just want people to know how. There are so many young people yeah. doing amazing stuff. It doesn't have to be what someone is doing. You know, just keep on doing what you're doing. And we went through the interviews, and then some of us got selected to go for the fellowship. So from Ghana, we're in 40 in number. 40? 40 in number. Oh, wow. uh, it was a total of 1,000 people from Africa. I didn't know it was that big. Yes. Yes. From, oh, that's an amazing. Yeah. Oh wow! I'm glad that it's, it's that many. Yeah. yeah. I think this year they reduced the numbers. Sometimes they increase, sometimes they okay. reduce. But this year they they reduced the numbers, and it was such an amazing experience. I was the only Ghanaian in my group. I went to Oklahoma State University, and I met some other amazing Africans. Okay. Um, I, Oklahoma is an agricultural state, mm-hmm. so it was important for me to. Well, I studied a lot of agriculture. Yeah. And, yeah. How did they pick? Where you, where you went and what group you were going to go So, they have like um, different groups, entrepreneurship groups, civil leadership. Um, there's, there's four of them. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah. But it depends on what you do. Okay. So, if you go as a, um, a civil leadership um, participant yeah. or applicate or whatever, oh, where should I be? Then, then you go, then they put okay. you there. But each school has each school each university has a focus. Okay. But like Oklahoma, like this, yeah. it's an agricultural right. university. So that's what. Yeah. So the, your your the group that you were with, they all had some sort. Yes. Of, okay. yeah. we, we had lady farmers. We had okay. you know. And I think that's great, right? Because not only what you learn within the training program, but you create you create a network, right, of people an amazing network, yes. who are doing things in your space. Right? Yes. Yes, it, it was such an amazing experience. Like I met lots of people, and for the first time in my life, I I came to appreciate myself as a Ghanaian. I remember having a conversation. Oh, really? Yes, I remember having a conversation with one of the ladies, and they were telling me how you know. Um, so they'll say, "What? They'll see this. They'll see me and say, oh my God! Like look at your hair, or look at what you're wearing.'" I'm like, "Ah!" They're like, "You know, you can't dress like this in my country. Like you you can't. You know, if you have to apply for uh, like." Um, passports or like you have to go and see a chief I'm like huh like which this doesn't happen yeah. in Ghana <laughs> you know and I was so glad to introduce our cuisine to them we in, in our school we put ourselves into groups okay. so we would cook like every night and it was like my group everybody was at me <laughs> and our lecturer would like our lecturer would just email everybody about this Ghanaian chef you need to meet her she needs to cook for you you know I introduced them to fufu and jollof nice. and everything else it was such an wait how did you make fufu in, in, uh, in Oklahoma, okay. That was an African shop. Uh, so, you know, we made yeah, up in cutting yeah. coin and all those oh things. Yeah. Nice. It was That's pretty nice. good. Yeah. And so then, I mean, you, you went through a training program and all that stuff yes. and you were inspired to come back and do Yes, things, right? I, I was inspired to make what I had done wrong right. That's that is. That's why you called it. The restaurant <laughs> shut down now. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> 
I was. I was you know, inspired to. I must add that coming back from the fellowship to to what I am now has been like such an interesting process. I came back ready to do a lot of things yeah. and I went through like a couple of months of depression and losing interest for food. It was it was such an yeah. interesting change. And this is something that we've been we've even been discussing with the embassy that they have to have a look at it. You go to a country where everything works yeah. and you know it's like when I come back I'm going to do amazing stuff. Yeah. And then you get to a con- your country and you realize that oh crap, it, it will take yeah. a longer time. So if you're not frustrated you might go into you know something yeah. else. So I lost a couple of months of not wanting to cook anymore and then you know I, I came back also this this has probably been my happiest period. I, was saying, of I saw you today cooking. and I was like <laughs> good and happy. <laughs> this has been my happiest, you know, I, I love what I do now. I think I've found like a new interest mm-hmm. for it. And it's also because of all the other things. You know, before right. I knew that I wanted to do them, but I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. There's no time. Right. There's indeed no time, so you must as well right. do what you yeah. have to do. Yeah. And so I want to go back to the embassy in terms of that um, transition or orientation back into the local space. So have they talked about any sort of reintegration programs? Yeah, they... to keep you in touch and keep you continuously... Even in the the orientation, they give a thorough orientation of, you know, what you must... What you expect and what you must do when you come back about expectations, mm-hmm. but I think that as human beings we don't. You know, it's, yeah. it's a different feeling to experiencing it and to hearing it. So um, yeah, they 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 are still working on it. But when you come back, there are quite a number of programs that you can also like okay. um, apply to, which will enhance your interest in what you already do mm-hmm. and also spark up new interest okay. if you want to do something else. So, yeah, there are lots of programs. Um, they have um, a program where you can apply and invite one of your professors from university to come here and come and see the products oh. you're doing. There's another program where you can work with another fellow from another country, which is for the collaborative fund. Okay. There's another program where you can also um, apply for grant. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. That's good that they're keeping you guys motivated through different. Well, well, they are. Like they're trying. They're <laughs> trying. They're <laughs> trying. I mean, apart from all the plenty emails that they're trying. <laughs> 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 okay. So then, what's next for Mukasa? Oh my all gosh! This stuff. Like when you look down a year from now, five years from now, like yes. what's the big oh vision? This was the big vision. Um, what do I even say? I'm in, I'm in a rebranding phase. Um, I'm in a phase where I want each of my setups and my um, interactions with people to make an impact. I'm, I'm literally, yeah, I am at the mood where everything should make an impact. Well, make money and make an impact. Okay. <laughs> so everything that I do, I take um, extra care. Um, like I said, our aunties were cooking for a while and they are no more there. If Mukasi Chick has to be there a year from now, yeah. it still has to make an impact. It's not just about relevance. Yeah. It's not just about profit making. Yeah. And I want to be able to create the experience that it has been from that I've always wanted to create from day one. I I want you to be able to bring your friends from South Africa yeah. and say, go to Mukasi Chick <laughs> and you'll get that experience. Right. Yeah. But there should be growth. Yeah. So 
basically, I'm not going to pinpoint and say, you know, I'm going to open a restaurant. I'm going to, uh, as someone who said, been there, done that. <laughs> and so everything that I must do must go towards making an impact for another, you know, other people. And most importantly, um, one of the things that I, I would also want to do is to do a lot more speaking engagements to young people who want to be in the in the industry. Like, it's not just about... Um, being a dropout like that that's not what it means i'm an yeah, investing graduate yeah. <laughs> with, with right yeah and it's, and it's sad because i think i also spoke to somebody about this how undervalued um some sort of courses yeah. are in, in 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 ghana in particular i can't i can't speak for the whole continent but in ghana in particular where people are forced to go or not forced but maybe they are conditioned to think that you have to be Science in particular, or like be a lawyer, or be you know whatever, because that sort of makes you a more look better. Yeah, I you guess. know, you know exactly. So, yeah, so yeah. I think it's it's a good time to be something other than if I think of people in food, people doing makeup, photographers, yeah. all of that stuff. I think it's great that people are seeing like young people now are seeing alternative yeah, paths exactly. to doing to doing stuff, yeah. and that doesn't necessarily. Have to be. Have to be. Yeah. Medicine, guys. <laughs> you don't have to go any premium. And and also, I, I just want to say this that people need to understand that it's an industry of food, but there's so much. Into the, there are food scientists, there are exactly. food consultants, there's there's stylists, so there's just so much. Like yeah. it's not just about cooking because you think classic chick is making money, so mm-hmm. you know the next moment you open it, it's about <laughs> cooking and cooking. There's so much to me. Like there's food health and safety. Yeah. There is so much, and it's about time that we. We start reading mm. and researching and understanding what we want to go into. Mm. And I think that when we understand that, we will all choose which path. And in the end, we all help each other, mm. you know, so. Mm, good stuff. So before we transition to the rapid fire questions, yes. let's tell people where we can find you online and social media, especially people who are not oh, from Ghana, yeah. so that they can find you. Okay, so yeah. I'll start with the blog. The blog is still mukasechik.wordpress.com. Okay. Still the same. Um, if you're on any of the platforms, Instagram, Mukase Chick, Twitter, Mukase TV, Facebook, Mukase Chick. Um, you can also send us an email, mukasechik at gmail.com, or all the platforms have my number. So, okay. And it's a direct number to me. Okay. Because That's I like cool, it. eh? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. That is, I, I like to interact with my okay. customers yeah. um, directly before yeah. I hand them over to yeah. anybody. So it's a direct number to me. You can even even drop in some love <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good yes. stuff. All right, now let's transition to rapid fire. We're just talking about social media. Okay. The first question for you is Instagram or Twitter? <laughs> oh my god! A couple of months ago, I said Instagram, but I'm loving Twitter these days. Like, so maybe Twitter. Twitter okay. They are savage, man. Yeah, Twitter is like. I just go and I watch. Like, I don't even try to follow anybody's thing before I'm dragged into something that I'm not ready to. I'm just Twitter. there. Just an observer. Twitter, Twitter for you. Yeah. Okay, Twitter. Um, buffet or a la carte? A la carte. Swallow or rice? Swallow. I know you didn't want to compare, but Niger Jollof or Ghana Jollof? Ghana Okay. Coffee or tea? Ooh. Depends on my mood, honestly. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, sweet or salty? Sweet. <laughs> okay. Morning person or night person? 
Ooh, I don't even know. I think you're a night person. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> because I see videos of you just like up at one a.m. I'm like, people should be sleeping at one a.m. I forget that is what I am calling people. They're like, why are you calling me? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You are yeah, I am. <laughs> I am. I really am. Um, who's your dream chef to cook with? Oh my god. I think it probably might be barefoot contessa. Oh really? Yes. I like a calmness in the kitchen. Mm. I don't I don't like to fret in the yeah. kitchen. So I like a calmness in the kitchen. Okay. We're putting it out there. Yes. Barefoot contessa's people. Yes, <laughs> get in touch. Yeah. Um when you're feeling lazy, what do you like to cook? Oh wow. When I'm feeling lazy. Yeah. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, what do I do? Maybe like like soup. Okay. Like of course. Hey, isn't that a lot of work? I'm a queen of shortcuts. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, maybe like soup. Okay. I think it's quite fast. Okay. And then if you could live on one dish for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> Cocoa and beans. <laughs> Outside of Bukasi Sheikh, what's your favorite African restaurant and why? Wow, in Ghana? Anywhere. It doesn't have to be Ghana. Yeesh. What would that be? Um, I think I like, I like um, Asmera. Asmera, yeah. I like Asmera. The variety. I like the variety. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, that's the end. Of a rapid fire. So sweet. Of the interview. This was such a pleasure to talk to you and learn so much from you. Thank you. Thank um, good luck with everything. And you have a lot going on. And I'm, I can actually so proud of you and like all the Ghanaian women, especially, that I think are just like killing it in the food business and like not taking any prisoners, just going out there doing their thing. Yeah. And it's so inspiring to see you. and hear from, from you. So I'm sure people will be inspired. And hopefully we'll take advantage of all the services and events and stuff that you're offering out there. Thank you. Um, this was great. Also, I'm, I'm also very proud of you. I know how long you've been at this. And you're very consistent. And you keep on, you know, trying to promote each and everything that we do. And now that I'm also in that kind of space, I know how difficult it can be. So um, thank you so much. Uh, this was great. Yay! Yay. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for listening to Item 13, an Essence 13 production. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. To keep up to date on news and events from Essence 13, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Essence and the number 13. Thank you.